Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. This morning, uh, I want to start a conversation around destiny fulfillment. And I call this born for such a time as this. And, and it'll be a spirit-led conversation. We're going to have it in three parts. But I feel a prophetic sense that we need to be challenged to live for purpose. And so I'll say, born for such a time as this, when destiny calls your name. Many times in life, we are caught up in the pursuit of life, trying to get ahead in life, trying to impress certain people in life, or we're just caught up in the act of survival, just, just to survive, that we do not recognize that there is a greater purpose for our lives. And many times, sadly so, many people die without doing actually what God has called them to do. It is very easy in our world to be called successful. Very easy in our world to be called successful. All you have to do to be called successful in this world who knows? Make money. Just have some money. Have two, three cars. Praise God. Employ some people that you can cross your leg in the morning and say, hey, give me water. And, and, and everybody wants to be like you. Am I right? Are you here? Is that not what all of us are pursuing? Even as ministers of the gospel, what are we pursuing? Just a little bit of popularity. Have a big church. You know, have some pastors under you as you walk in. All your pastors are on tie, suits. And you have two guys standing here with dark glasses, making sure that the man of God is not touched. Praise God. And that's it. You have made it. I remember the first time I got a car, uh, a minister met me, an older minister in the city, and said, congratulations, you have broken through. So because I've got the car, it's what? It's a breakthrough. It means God is pleased with me. 
it's, it's very sad because we can prosper in disobedience. Because on the earth realm, there are basic laws that can make a man have a car, have money, have all these things, and yet, heaven doesn't reach him as fulfilling destiny. That's why it's sad. That's why it's sad. And, 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 and we, we always need to be conscious of it. Because if we're not careful, we're caught in what, what is called the rat race. You know what the rat race is? Who doesn't know what the rat race is? You know what the rat race is, right? It's getting ahead. And uh, it's so funny because even those who you think have gotten ahead are still caught up in the race to get more ahead. You know, I, I, have you ever had that time in your life where you said, oh God, if I can just earn 200,000, I will not bother you again. I will never pray to you. you how many of you, don't raise your hand, but <laughs> how many of us were in that position? And then the 200,000 came. And after one year, say, Lord, I remember that I said I will not raise my hand, but permit me, Lord. It was because of my limited knowledge. And let me tell you, no matter how much you earn on this earth realm, it will never be enough. You, you have to tell yourself, it will never be enough. So you must have destiny conversations with yourself. If not, by the time you get to the end of your life, you would ask yourself, so what have I lived for? What have I lived for? You know, I've always told my kids this, but they don't believe it, right? Everything you want today, once you have it, you get tired of it. So we bought this puzzle, right? Some couple of months ago. I saw 1,000 pieces. I saw it. They said, ah, they want puzzle. So they've been disturbing me. Ah, daddy, when are we opening the puzzle? I said, leave it there. You know, there's a way your children will make you feel like you are not a very good father. When are we opening both? I said, leave it there. When are we open? I said, we will open it one day. The fear of opening that puzzle was the beginning of wisdom for me. But they did not know what I was saying. So this one day I said, okay, let's open it. So everybody was happy. They opened it. And they brought out 1,000 pieces. So they said, where do we start from? Everybody was excited. We got on the floor. We arranged maybe four pieces. The puzzle is still... Everybody walks past the puzzle and walks past it like it is non-existent. Because while it was still wrapped, eh, it looked like I need to have this. I need to ha I mean, if you understand what I'm trying to say, it's the same thing with life. When you were in the university, say, I can't wait to graduate. I can't wait to graduate. Final year. I can't wait to leave these professors, naughty people, stressing somebody's life. Graduated. I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to get married. You now got married. I can't wait to have a child. You now have a child. I can't wait for children to leave the house. They are just stressing my life. 
You shouldn't, but some people even say, I can't wait for my wife to leave me. I'm tired. It's temporary arrangement. I just want to marry for 10 years and free myself. So that at least I'll say formally married. And you realize that everything we ever wanted in life, once we have it, the joy is taken out. Why? Because there's a greater purpose for your life. All these things were not meant to be our source of satisfaction. They were meant to be things we enjoy along life. But there is a yearning in our heart to live bigger than ourselves. Whether you're rich or whether you don't have enough, there is a greater purpose for your life. Especially, we have to sound this message when we live in a society that's like ours, where money is like king, money is God, where people are respected without values if they have money. If we're not careful, we will be tempted to destroy our own character because we want respect of society. The believer must never fight for the respect of society. You must always fight to be pleasing to God in your life. And so, we've got this beautiful story in the Bible, in the book of Esther. And uh, I'm going to pick some things from the life of Esther. Esther chapter 4. Very beautiful story. Esther chapter 4. And I want to highlight certain things from the life of Esther. And I'm hoping the Lord will use that by the Holy Spirit of God to inspire us. And I'm not saying any of these things are bad. Children are not. Marriage is not. Money is not. But they cannot become the end goal of our lives. There must be something bigger that God wants to use us for. That God wants to use our life for. Our life must mean more than just the size of our bank account. In Acts chapter 4. Sorry, Esther chapter 4. Verse 14. You know the story of Esther, right? How many of you know the story of Esther? You read the story of Esther? How she became queen. Queen Esther. Now, uh, you know the story up until chapter 4. Uh, Mordecai and Haman, right? And they plotted all of those wicked stuff. And the Jews were to be destroyed. Mordecai meets Esther. And we'll talk about that next Sunday. Mentorship and accountability. How do we get to fulfill destiny? And says, this is what's going to happen. And Esther says, you know, I cannot go to the presence of the king without the scepter of the king being raised. That was the Lord. <laughs> In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, the scripture says, Mordecai now tells Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty 
for such a time as this. And, and I, I'm trusting the Lord to prophetically paint a picture that stirs your heart. The first thing I want you to understand is, if Mordecai was not conscious of God and understood what God wanted to achieve, he would not have spoken to Esther like this. And he was confident of his God. He says, you know what, Esther, if you want to participate in this or not, it really doesn't matter. But one thing you can be sure of is that God will raise deliverance from the Jews from another place. How does that fit into what we're discussing this morning? Whether you choose to live out the purpose of God for your life or not is left for you. But God's purposes will be accomplished on the earth. Let me give you an example. Whether I accept accept the call to be a, a, a preacher of the gospel or not does not mean the gospel will stop being preached. Whatever you stop participating in does not necessarily mean that thing will stop. And we must be conscious of that. We, we always have the feeling like, if I don't get involved in that, probably that thing will not continue. No. God will raise people to get the job done. Let me tell you, there is no agenda of God that will stop on the earth because a man refused to participate in it. Even if I get angry, I don't like this church. I don't like the way they're treating me in this church. And I, you know, get angry, pack my family and go away. Another pastor will come. The church might even grow faster. Don't see yourself like if I don't get involved in this, it will not happen. No. And, and, And destiny is really about God inviting us And giving us the privilege to be part of something bigger than ourselves. God has been speaking to you about a certain thing. God has been inspiring your heart to go in a certain direction. What God is doing is inviting you to the process. Accepting that invitation or declining that invitation would not stop what God wants to do. And and Mordecai had to let Esther know that. And we have to know that about our lives. Whether you get committed to the local church or not will not stop the local church. You should get committed, but it's an invitation to be part of something bigger than you. You know, there are people who like the doing the church a favor by serving in the church. You know, there are some people we even follow up and, and they reply us like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Like, if you don't come to church, then we are failures. And that's not true. Oh, that's not true. God is not going to judge me that you didn't show up. And you follow up some people and it looks like we are helping you by joining your church. Says who? First of all, it's a very limited understanding of what the church is. And then, it's also a limited understanding of what your role in a local church should be. 
And, and you know, that's why some people, I, I tell the office, don't follow them up any longer. Just let them go. Let them be. Why? Because it has become a sense of self-entitlement. And why do, we get in, why do we get that in our mind? Because we don't see what God is calling us to be as an invitation to be part of something bigger. And, and Mordecai had to tell Esther, he says, listen, if you participate in this or not, right, God will raise salvation from the Jews. It, from another place. And I can show you through scriptures. Because one thing I want you to leave this series with is a consciousness. And go before God and say, Lord, what is your purpose? What's the greater destiny for me? What are you inviting me to participate in? And I've said it all the time. When Saul misbehaved, God called him, anointed him to be king. When he, does, when he didn't even want to be king, he was hiding. God made him. He's looking for lost donkeys. And God called him to be king anointed him and he disobeyed God and Samuel was crying over Saul it was God that touched Samuel and said why are you still crying I have found David from the house of Jesse go and anoint him it's like God telling the prophet you're crying too much it's okay and while Saul was still on the throne David was anointed as king and I've always said, told you in this church God does not bring a man down what God does is to raise another man God will, not, God will not bring you down. While you're still there, he will be doing his thing. While the Pharisees were still performing sacrifices, Jesus, who will be the end of all sacrifice, was already walking the shores of Galilee. He was in the temple, not knowing that he was the beginning of something entirely new. God doesn't have to kill you to raise someone else. While you are still alive, while you are still doing what you're doing, God will just raise the person and get the job done. And that's, that's, what, that's what you find out. So destiny is actually God's invitation for you to be something bigger than you readily thought. And you see, the human memory is so short. It's so, I, I don't know why we forget so easily as human beings. Here was Esther, and, and, and I'll deal with that, who was an orphan. Parental died, and Mordecai took her, took her and raised her. Just a few months ago, you were praying for favor, right? Oh God, oh God, let them choose me. Let them choose me. And then the favor of God came upon her and she was chosen as queen. Now, they're asking you to participate in what God wants to do. And it's almost like, you know what? I can't. How many times do we pray that, oh God, if you bless me, I will serve you. The whole world will know that a man is serving you. Now, you're blessed. You can't be in church any longer. Why? Because you have so many businesses now you have to attend to. You see the blessing? Oh, now, you're so blessed. You can't give to the kingdom any longer. Why? There are many projects you are involved in. You've forgotten all the prayer requests. <laughs> that is why God says, don't make the vow of a fool. Don't be rash. Because in your lack and degradation people make a lot of vows and it's not easy to keep vows when the vows the blessing comes oh i'm telling you 
Or there are some of you that say, oh, Lord, if I have my job, yeah, I will give you my first salary. Yeah, especially when the prayer point is very loud and there's noise everywhere. And then some of you are laughing. Are you owing us first salary? <laughs> and then the job comes, they pay your first salary. They say, God, you know that. Let's do it this way. Then you now call God to the negotiating table and rewrite the contract. Eh? Or that's when you will now hear somebody say, how can you give your first salary to God? Your mother who carried you nine months in the womb. You, and then you now... See, the truth of the matter is that even you yourself, your heart is really long time. So you feel, if I give this money to God, it will go to church or maybe they will give it to pastor. No, let me circulate it among my family. So you now... And in your wisdom... In your wisdom, you didn't remember that when you were asking for a job, you didn't pray to your mother. You have forgotten. You are very wise. But when you were praying, you did not say, oh, my mother that carried me nine months. If you give, you didn't. Should we honor our parents? Yes, we should. But I'm just talking about the words that came out of your mouth. Remembering where you're coming from. Don't always forget where God raised you from. Don't forget it. Always be conscious of it. And David was conscious of that. That's why when he was dancing before the Lord, sometimes it's not even about money. Let's take money out of it. Your commitment to God, your service to the things of God. When David was dancing before the Lord, and the daughter of Saul came and said, Oh, how you were dancing foolishly before the virgins. I like David. David said, I was not dancing before those maidens. They would hold me in high respect. He says, I was dancing before God, who took me from leading ships to leading his Israel. In fact, David said, who took the throne from your father? Hmm? In a subtle way, was saying, that is why your father <laughs> did not last. Pride in your family. But you know, David couldn't say it that way. So he said, it was God who took it from your father and gave it to me. And she was the only woman in the scriptures who was barren. Why was she barren? Why? Remember that she didn't insult a man of God. It was her husband. But the truth of the matter is, she did not understand divine purpose. Don't forget where God is raising you from. And and. Mordecai had to make Esther note that. Then, he pointed Esther to something. Put up that scripture again. He says, who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. And what was Mordecai trying to tell Esther? Who knows if God did not put you in this position because of destiny. That, that position you are occupying today it's, God does not have a problem with you enjoying the benefits of that position. But is there a greater purpose to it? That school you're in, is there a greater purpose to it? Why did God make you a man? Let me ask you. Why did God make you the head of the home? Is it so people will be kneeling down to serve you food? Is there not a purpose why you are a man? Is it possible that God made you a man so you can lead your family to God? And raise your children up in the fear of the Lord. Is there not a greater purpose to your manhood? <laughs> Is there not a greater purpose? 
Is it just to drive around in cars and no, or to raise a new generation, a new family? And let me say this. I'm sorry if this uh, offends you, but forgive me in advance. I don't think as a man who understands where God is raising them from, you should have a family that's not committed to God. I don't think so. I don't think so. You know what God told Abraham? He says, I'm going to speak to Abraham because I know he will command his children to walk in my ways. If God has blessed you, you don't have, you don't have the rights to raise a family that's not committed to the hands of God. You don't have it. Your family is not in church. It doesn't bother you. And it will bother you if your children miss class. It doesn't bother you if your children miss church. It's a thing of a shame. You have a wife. Doesn't go to church. You're blessed. Your children, they don't go to church. To them, church is optional. Who knows if you were raised as a man for such a time as this? And let me tell you this. I've seen it all the time. People that always have complaints why they don't come to church, no matter the blessings, those complaints still remain. They will say, oh, we don't have this thing. Don't have money for transport. Money for transport comes. They say, oh, it was raining. Bus does not get to our street. God will not do it. They will move to a bus stop. They say, oh, before I woke up, the boss has, but I'm telling you, there is nothing God will do for them except that commitment. Because listen, commitment to the things of God is not because of what a man has, is a heart attitude. Because Esther would have not been committed to the things of God in this sense, even though she had everything. Look at it here. It says, Who knows? And that's the question I'm asking you this morning. Where you are today, who knows if God has put you there for such a time as this? That department you're working, that office you're occupying, that compound you are staying, what is your greater purpose in that compound? You have children. What is your role in their life? Can we think of destiny? Can we think of purpose? Can we think that, can we just for once sit down and think about our life, that God has something in this life? Is God just all about blessing us or there is a purpose for our lives? And Mordecai had to awaken the sense of purpose in Esther. Can I tell you something? We celebrate Esther today not because she became queen. Why do we celebrate Esther? Is it because she became queen? Why do we celebrate Esther? Come on, church, talk to me. Because through her actions, a whole nation was delivered. Can you see that? You will not be celebrated for what you achieved. You'll be celebrated for your contribution in the kingdom. She could have just been, I mean, there are many queens in the Bible. But she used that rule to activate the purpose of God. When we talk about Esther today, it's not her being queen that comes to our mind. It's the fact that she used that her role to do what? To save the Jews. And if she had remained silent, salvation would have come from another place, but she would not have gone into history books as the one that God used to deliver the Jews. Today she inspires a whole lot of women. Movies are made in her name. 
Is it possible that we're remaining silent when destiny is calling our names? Is it possible that we've become so busy in this world, we're not conscious of destiny? And this doesn't have to be so big. It doesn't have to be so gigantic like saving a nation. But I just want to awaken your purpose. Is there something greater that God is pulling your heart to? Is there a vision in your heart you need to accomplish? When we think of women like Mary Slessor that stopped the killing of twins, you'd ask, we talk about her all the time. We celebrate her. Some of you are twins. You are alive today because of that woman. If not for that woman, you are your brother would have been dead. Or your sister. Hmm? We don't know what she drove. How many of you know the car Mary Slessor was driving? Yeah? Who knows? Who knows the car? <laughs> Who knows the house? The kind of house she stayed? Hmm? Come on, talk to me. Who knows the kind of shirt she was wearing? Don't you realize that at the end of the day, all of these things will not count? Is there a greater purpose in your life? Is there an invitation? Is God inviting you to something bigger? Are you responding to that invitation? Or are you allowing the cares of this world? Both ways. Either you're not having or over having. <laughs> There's no over having, but... But, listen, I mean, when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about to people who don't have or those who have. Either of these can blind our eyes to purpose. You can be so struggling that you don't lift up your head to see purpose. And you can be so wealthy that your head is buried in your riches, you don't see purpose. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? God wants to use you for something greater than yourself. Respond to that invitation. Respond to it. There are things in your life right now you should not be encouraged to do. Like serving God should not be an encouragement. Why? You cannot fulfill purpose without being connected to God. Are you still here? Come on, I said, are you still here? Let me show you from the life of Joseph. Again, we'll come back to Esther. Genesis 45, verse 7. Genesis 45, verse 7. We all know the story of Joseph. How Joseph became a prime minister. And we like that story. We like the story of Joseph. And I think I wrote something about it a few days ago. We like the story of Joseph, but we don't like the process of Joseph. How many of you like the prime minister part of Joseph? Come on. How many of you like the prime minister part of Joseph? Yeah. Just five people. You don't want to become prime minister. All right. But how many of you like the pit? You like to get into the pit? No? How many of you would like to be sold by your brothers? Hmm? John, would you like your brother to sell you? Huh? Say, how much is John? Say, uh, John, 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 John. Bring 50. <laughs> Say, no, we are 45. He said, no, no, no. He's fair now. 
It's fair. Say black people is 45. Fair people, 47 last. And you're there. And this is somebody who had grown up in love. And then you get in and you just start serving. And Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with you. And you run. People will tell, why are you running? Are you the one that went to look for her? You were on your own. Somebody just came like that. You who even know if that's how God wants to use to just open up your destiny. Alright, so. And that's why people steal today. Because sometimes people do wrong things and they say, we don't even know if that's what God wants to use. You should know the character of God. Whatever comes by compromise can never be from God. Any, any, listen, any, any money you falsify, you lie to get, God did not give you. You stole it. Say amen. amen. I, I'm not saying you stole, but I'm just saying let's agree. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything you cannot come up publicly to say this is how I got it, if figures have to be falsified, you have to lie, you have to supply fake parts for it. I know you are tightening from the money, but it's tightening from stolen money. Amen. Somebody said, so pastor, what should we do? Do the right thing. Even if it ends up not making you rich, do the right thing. Be able to go to bed at night knowing that your conscience is free. That's what makes you a child of God. Don't sleep and while you're watching the television, something is telling you, you know that is somebody's salary. You know that is somebody's salary. No movie would be interesting from there except your conscience is dead. And don't deaden your conscience. God cannot invite you to be part of what he's doing if you kill your conscience. There are dreams in your heart that are beyond money. There are purposes in your heart that are beyond wealth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is inviting you to be part of something big. Respond to that invitation. It's either we trust that God can prosper us righteously or we don't trust him. But if we trust him, let's walk in his purpose. Talk about Joseph. He ran, got into prison. Hmm? And then he kept walking. How many of us will walk when we get into prison like that? We'll sulk in depression. I don't even know why I'm in prison. I did the right thing. They said we should not steal. Now I'm poor. <laughs> you know, people blame. You know how people blame righteousness for where they are? Have you heard people say like that? If I've done what my mate did by now, they are regretting that they were doing the right things. And it's a shame. Because. When you have that mindset about life, you would feel frustrated. Because let me tell you the truth. Righteousness always does not pay on the etra. Sometimes, righteousness will make you live lesser than other people in this realm. Remember my words, in this realm. And you have to get used to it. And then, he was asking others in the prison, are you sad? Imagine the heart that Joseph had interpreted dreams. And then he asked the man, can you help me? And the scripture says the man forgot him for two years. I know the offense that would be in, the, in, in Joseph's heart. How can I interpret dream that he used to promote you? You now forget. God will punish you. 
<laughs> you know, there are many people who are offended at people they helped who have become bigger who didn't help them. You helped them. You didn't do an investment. Let people go in your heart. Ah, I trained my uncle. Now my uncle's children, I just say, and he look at him, I'm suffering. And, for the, and I'll talk about that. For the rest of their life, that one incident blinds them that they cannot lift their head for God to speak. Whoever you helped, can you just let them go and trust God to help you? Praise God. Are you still here? Are, are, you, are you enjoying this Sunday service? Right. Then he became a prime minister. So I brought you up to Genesis 45. Verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Look at how Joseph interpreted all the bad things that his brother did to him. Look at his interpretation. Saints, if we want to fulfill destiny, we must have the right perspective about things. And that's what Mordecai told Esther. Have the right perspective about this position. Listen, fulfilling destiny, child of God, is about having the right perspective about where you are. Mordecai told Esther, hey, you're a queen now, but there's a greater purpose why you're a queen. It's for God to use you to help the children of Israel. And all this Joseph passed through, Joseph gained perspective. He says, you know what? God sent me before you to preserve a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by great deliverance. The same people that sold you, Joseph, perspective, perspective, perspective. Have the right perspective about that job God is giving to you. Have the right perspective about that marriage God has put you. Have the right perspective about the church God has joined you to. Are you following what I'm saying? He says, God sent me ahead to preserve you. Joseph saw in his life something greater, something bigger. How many of you realize Joseph never celebrated the fact that he was a prime minister? He saw perspective to becoming a prime minister. Child of God, whatever position God puts you now, God doesn't want you to celebrate that position. He wants you to see perspective in that position. Why did God make you rich? Why do you have that money? Why do you marry that lovely wife? Why do you have all those kids? See perspective. That's why all these things we teach sometimes in church, you know God is going to do it so that your enemies will know that he's God. We are giving people wrong perspective about blessings. God is not doing anything in your life to pepper them. God is doing stuff in your life because there's a greater agenda. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It has nothing to do with people that don't like you. God is even blessing you so you can help people who don't like you. Not out of a vindictive mindset. You know, we've got this vindictive mindset. God will bless me. Those who laughed at you will not laugh at you again. Those who, I say, amen, it will happen. They will see. They don't, you see, that, that's, that's, that's demonic. It's not God. What God does by blessing you is to give you perspective of salvation at a larger scale. So God has put me here. I can fund the gospel, Father. I can do more things. I can look after more widows. I can, do you understand what I'm saying? I can, I can sponsor more people. You, you, you see life from a right perspective. 
Not this, do me, I do you, you know, I want to be big so that everybody will know that the God I'm serving is a big God. Let me tell you, whatever you have right now that makes you think, will make people think is a big God, is small compared to the things that God really wants to do. Even before you were born, God says, through creation, he has shown his invisible attributes. It's either we're responding to this invitation or we're just caught up in this whole human race thing. You know, I, I told a dear friend of mine, a minister of the gospel, I said, listen, I, I believe absolutely in prosperity. I do believe God wants us to prosper. But I told him something. I said, right from the day one, set your sail as a minister of the gospel that that's not your aim. Your aim is not to be the richest person in your congregation. That's not your goal. Your aim is not to be the richest pastor in the world. That's not your goal. Your aim is not to be the richest person in the community. That's not your goal. As a minister of the gospel, you have one goal in this life. To feed God's people with knowledge and understanding. Whatever the consequences of that is for your life, you accept it that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? My brother-in-law, my father-in-law, is a retired, blessed memory, is a retired major in the Nigerian army. My brother-in-law, eldest brother-in-law, is, is in the army, is in the Nigerian army. You know, and sometimes I see how my, my wife is trying to reach him, and some months he's not reached. He would have been sent maybe to Maduguri, sent to one of those forests. And then sometimes he's available. You know, but he doesn't complain. Why? Because he joined the Nigerian army uh, by himself. Right? He was recruited into the army. The will of the Nigerian, uh, the Nigerian army, wherever they want to send them, becomes where his will is. In fact, not him. There was another soldier I was talking to uh, one time, and he was saying, I don't know whether they still do that, but when they are sending them, uh, they went on a peacekeeping mission in one of these countries, I think Liberia also that when they were going, they made, uh, they made a, a neck chain for them, all right, that had their name, their religion, and their blood group. And the, 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 the purpose for that was if uh, they were injured, you could look at that and know what blood, or if they passed on, they would know how to bury you if you're a Muslim or a Christian. So what that mean, meant was as they were setting out, they were going out with the consciousness that you might not return. That's all those examples I'm giving you. It's just to tell you that you are going to die. <laughs> Do you understand that? But they go. Why? Because they have accepted. When you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, it's not just to make you rich. God also has a purpose. And he wants you committed to that purpose. However, that purpose will end up for you. Let me tell you, not every purpose of God in your life will end up making you rich. We have to agree. Imagine God tells you now and say, go to one village and start a school so that those people will be educated. Would you be the richest man in the village? You wouldn't. If our whole concept of purpose and destiny is about popularity and fame, we will never respond to the promptings of God in our hearts. And you need to have this conversation because money is blinding us from following God. It's blinding us from saying yes to the things God is putting in our heart. It's blinding us. It's no wonder today 
Christians don't mind taking a job on a Sunday morning and it's fine for them. Setting appointments on a Sunday morning and it's fine for them. And check your Muslim counterparts. They wouldn't do that. For them, wealth is secondary, devotion is first. Their Friday going to the mosque is non-negotiable. You, wealth is first, devotion is second. After all, how are we going to build the church of the living God? Is it not money? It's money. And you convince yourself. And before you know, two months you're not in church. Three months you're not in church. I remember as a youth pastor, I was talking to one of my youths many years ago. (laughs) I was telling him about his commitment to the things of God. And he asked me a question. He said, will the church feed me? I said, no. He said, ah. All this work we are doing is to also put something in the table for the fire. I say, okay, no problem. Something has not entered the table after those many years. He has not still found food for the table. This world is very fickle. Are you hearing this? I'm not saying don't go to work. I hope you understand what I'm saying. We preach work here, strong work ethics. But listen, God's invitation to be something bigger, you have to respond to it. See, if you were a prime minister today, what would you think? Oh, God has elevated me as a prime minister to show that God can raise anybody to become a prime minister. You've missed the purpose. That's not the idea. Something bigger. Once we start celebrating where we are, we miss the purpose of why God brought us there. Do you realize that where God gave Isaac to Abraham wasn't just so Abraham can have a child. It was to typify the coming of Jesus and the gospel. Can you see that? Something bigger. God didn't just give you children to show that your womb is fruitful. He gave you children to perpetuate the legacy of the faith. God didn't just give you money to show that he can bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, you read it, right? And the Lord that gives you parenting to establish the covenant. It's to prove something. Let me, let me, give you, let me tell you this. You see, I, I, I use the Muslim brothers as example again. You see in church how we bastardize fundraising and giving. You know, we talk about money all the time, raise money all the time. We have a project, we raise money. Do you see them raising money like that as Muslims? They don't. And you know what? It's very simple. There are those within the Muslim community who've seen that their God has given them wealth. And part of their commitment is to spread Islam. That's their commitment. That's their, that's their commitment. It's, it's, it's non-negotiable for them. So in, in their own um, mind, they'll, some will say, I'm building five mosques. That's, my, that's what I feel I have to do to propagate Islam. And they just do it single-handedly. I'm doing this. Or you see where they are writing that, oh, they bought a jeep for imam. Why will imam be driving a jeep? You know, it's Christians that go up and now say that they should not, that the pastor should be driving uh, Volkswagen. <laughs> and sometimes it's just, it's just confusion on our path. And you know some of the richest people you can find in this country are Muslims. I mean, you can give your whatever, you can give whatever explanation you want to give for it, whether it's political, whether it's whatever you want to, you can. But even if we take it out of the context of Nigeria, in the world, 
And they see that their wealth is for the propagation of Islam. Now, on the contrary, negative, negative example, there are also those people who are supporting the uh, terrorists. And they see that their wealth is to further a course, whatever that course is, like I said, negative example. But there are people who are furthering the course, number one. There are people who are dying for the course. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's a negative example, but follow that, right? So somebody gets on the plane and says, I am going to crash this plane into whatever and kill people. He takes that as his purpose. So somebody pays for him to go to school because he's got to learn how to fly the plane first, right? Somebody pays for him to go to school. Somebody pays for him to learn how to become a pilot. Somebody pays the ticket at least before he can hijack the plane, he needs to buy the ticket. Now, these, everybody involved in this knows that the ultimate end of this person I'm putting all this money for is that he's going to die. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, everybody feels, right? He's going to die. And then, he knows this pilot school I'm learning, let's say whatever the plan to execute is 10 years' time. In 10 years' time, I will die. So he knows everything he's doing is temporary to his death. Some of them, their parents are aware, they are happy. We are glad our child has taken this noble mission. I want you to see how people sometimes from the other side see what destiny is. This person is not bothered about relationship he's not bothered about children he's not bothered about his name he just has a course that he wants to further so one takes the path of death one takes the path of a founder and both of them have one agenda we want to spread something on the earth and they live and die for that course something has taken a hold of them that is bigger than what the average person is fighting for. Imagine, we said, we're going to send a missionary somewhere and he will die in 10 years. You say, ah, why are we not wasting money? Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Because we haven't seen something bigger. That an ideology has been formed. And whether you like it or not, when you look at our nation today, look at the African nations uh, from, from um, Ethiopia to, to Kenya, East Africa to West Africa, we are now dealing with all of this terrorist stuff. Why? Because some people many years ago paid the price for an ideology to be spread that has become unstoppable. They have lived for something bigger than themselves. I think that's an example all of us can relate to, right? We can all relate to that, right? Yeah. What about the man who died? What did he have? He had nothing. But his death has prompted an ideology to be spread. So when we talk about the invitation to destiny, we're talking about living your life in such a way that you live bigger than what you have. You are living for a course. 
And, and Joseph said, God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. It says, verse 8, Now therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Look at what Joseph became. And Joseph did not say this first. He talked about his purpose first. Then he talked about what God made him. He said, I'm now the ruler of Egypt. Joseph always had a sense of purpose. In fact, when he was dying, uh, he told he says, I know that God is going to set us free from this land. Take my bones. With, don't bury my bones in Egypt. He, he knew that his legacy was not tied to Egypt. One of the things I want to inspire you is to live for something bigger than yourself. Child of God, if we're not careful, we will be caught up in this life. And it's all about the circle. More acquisition, more acquisition, more acquisition, more acquisition, more acquisition. And we just get to the end of our life and we are asking like, so what is this all about? What course are we fordering? That position God gave you, what do you think God wants to use it to do? Are you still here? Now, one of the things we've got to deal with as the Lord keeps using us is our background. Our background. So I'm, I'm going to deal with our background today. In Esther chapter 2 verse 7, we realize that Esther was an orphan. And Esther was an orphan. And I, I really want to speak to those from very interesting backgrounds. I've talked about wealth. I've talked about wealth. He was bringing up Hadasher, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had no father or mother. Now the young lady was beautiful, of form and face. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. I, I want to anchor on this. Can you still hear me? Is the volume loud enough? All right. Esther was an orphan. But that did not stop her from walking the path of destiny. There are so many of us that our background has not allowed us to open ourselves to fulfilling purpose and destiny. What happened to you many years ago is still what you're talking about today. You had no father to raise you. You had no mother to raise you. You were abused. This happened to you. That happened to you. As long as you live in that realm of being a victim you will never fulfill destiny. And I want to really deal with that because most of us here have almost given up on the sense that God can do something out of our life. You know, I was reading the story of a young man who currently schooling in Harvard and uh, he studied law in Uniben, Nigerian young man. And things were so tough and at a time he had to do brick lane to be able to go to school. You know, but today, I mean... Well, still diligently working and everything and everything and everything. And uh, he's currently schooling in Harvard. The truth of the matter is that most of us have just given up on God being able to raise us from where we are to fulfill purpose because we live in the past. Some of us are single parents 
and the bitterness of the man that left you 10 years ago is still haunting you. Since every time I see his picture, something in me, that something is keeping you from fulfilling destiny. You must learn to let the past be the past. There is none of us in this place, regardless of how we were raised, that God is not calling to something greater. You know, most times, it's when people have succeeded, in quote, and they tell us their story, that we say their story is inspiring us. As of when they were walking the path of process, it was not inspiring. Do you think Joseph was doing motivational talk in the pits? Or do you think he was doing motivational speaking in, in prison? We're reading about Joseph today because he ended up as a prime minister. You see, you don't have to wait till that time. Be inspired by the fact that God has a greater purpose for your life and press on to it. And and I'm going to give you a few examples from the Bible that most of the people God used, God had to also pick them up. In in Judges chapter chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible tells us about Jephthah, that he was the son of a harlot. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a valiant warrior, but he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead was the father of Jephthah. Go to verse 2. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Do you think, hey, child of God, do you think if we go through this experience today, we would ever become great? We would ever fulfill destiny? No way. Imagine. Let's even say your mother was a harlot, but you are the first child. Hmm? Then your father now gave, met another woman and had other sons. They now grew up to the extent where they can drive you from the house. That's to show the age difference, right? Right? Yeah. Are you following this? Do you think you would ever leave that house? No, you will not. Ah, you will be fighting for house. I've seen people fight for things that don't mean anything. They are fighting for one room and palo. See, when my mother died, my mother told me that this palo is where you slept with her and conceived me. So this palo, and for the rest of their life, for the rest of their, what's the size of a palo? Where are my builders here? <laughs> eh? What's the size? How many feet by how many feet? 40 by 40. 14 by what? 14 by 14. For the rest of their life, they will fight over 14 by 14. For the rest of their life. Even while they are in the city, they will still put somebody down. Say, that house, lock them. Keep the key. For the rest of their life, they will fight. And, and in their mind, they say, we are preserving a legacy. That bitterness will be with them for the rest of their life. That anger, that unforgiveness. But you know what happened to Jephthah? He took some people and they began to read. They began to read around, developed himself to become a warrior. Many years later, a few verses down, the whole of that family came to him and says, come and be our leader. And he says, you're coming to me. You drove me out. He said, Yes. He gave them terms and conditions. He came back. He went out of that circumstance and developed himself and he became a leader. 
you were driven out of the house, go and walk on yourself and allow God invite you to become a person of purpose. That family will look for you. That stepmother will look for you. If not, all your life, you'll be fighting over pots. At 40 years, say, this is the pot my mother used to cook when he was alive. Nobody should wear yam in this pot. Nobody should wear yam in this pot. And, and, and you will realize that all your life, it's that pot you are fighting for. That pot. And then you sit down with, with townspeople and you are judging story of pot. Say, where did you take that pot from in that house? Which corner of the room did I put the pot? And you move the pot with all seriousness. And God is inviting you to something bigger. But you can't live beyond the past. And all your life. I can't tell you how many people are caught up in family fights that don't allow them to fulfill purpose. Fighting stepmother, fighting stepbrother, fighting a husband who left you. A man has left you 10 years ago. He's not sending school fees. You are still troubling the line. You will call, call. Even though they are not picking, you insult them. Idiot. I know you are not picking, but this course will reach you. And for 14 years, you are cursing someone who is not hearing you. And you will still curse. Say, Pastor, I know that is your own, but God will punish that man. <laughs> and he said, those of you who are still laughing, it's because you have not experienced bitterness that would not allow you to see what God is inviting you for. Bitterness. Some of us are upset with people who are already dead. Gone. But we carry that anger. And God wants to invite us from that place of being a victim of life and call us to something greater. We see that in the life of Joseph. Joseph never talked about his brothers. Not when he was talking to the prisoners. Never. Never. And to know how he had forgiven his brothers, he hugged them. He cried. I don't know how many of us, including me preaching, will forgive Anybody who sold us into slavery. Your own elder brothers sold you to unknown men. Not unknown government. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you get what I'm... Listen, child of God. Even myself that is preaching, I'm not yet sure I will follow the footsteps of Joseph. Because when I become prime minister and I catch all of you people, uh, I will first of all I'll say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me this one. You know I have not sinned. That's why you made me prime minister. This one, I want to sin. Forgive me in advance. I will punish you people. You know how you like, hey, I'm the one you sold. Touch me. <laughs> Do you get the point? But listen, if we have that in our heart, God can invite us to something bigger. Sometimes it's those little things in our heart that is stopping God's invitation to something bigger. You didn't go through all you went through in life to still be held by your past. You, you've got to let go. And that's where I subtitle this message, When Destiny Calls Your Name. You've got to respond. You've got to respond. I really want to deal with it because I sense in my heart prophetically and trusting the Lord to help us that people need to break away from this shackle of their background. You didn't have somebody to train you. That excuse is okay. Get to do something about your life. 
Go to adult school if you have to. Learn if you have to. Read if you have to. Stay up late if you have to. Walk this life and be invited to destiny. Let's stop all the help we did not get. Let's stop all the things that did not go right in our life. Let's allow the past to be past because God is inviting us to something greater. Bigger than ourselves. And even if we end up as prime ministers tomorrow, it's not the prime minister thing that's the biggest thing. It's the invitation that God is calling us. What is going to use that purpose for? Quickly, uh, I'll tell you about David. You know, David's story is interesting, right? Go to 1 Samuel 16, 11. And, and David's story always intrigues me. I like David. I like David. David is <laughs> the man. Ah. And after when David sinned, and God asked him, whose hand will you fall into? The man said, ah, ah, hey, God, let me fall into your hands. Don't let me fall into the hands of men. The guy has not always had it good with men. Imagine if, the, in those days, it's not today that prophets are everywhere and they're prophesying over everybody. In those days, the prophets don't move. When a prophet moves, that's why um, God had to tell Samuel to say he was going to sacrifice. Because prophets don't move anyhow. They don't speak. It's kings that go and look for prophets. It's not prophet that looks for king. You know, we reverse everything in the 21st century. They were not moved by brown envelopes. <laughs> or prophet snapping with Elijah and putting it on. Say, say, I was just with King Herod a few days ago. It's not it. And so a prophet was coming to anoint and says, Bring all your children. Listen, if, God, if he says, Bring all your children, you bring everything that looks like a child. A prophet coming to your house and they forgot David. This is. And someone said to Jesse, Are these all the children? Imagine. A visitor asking you, is this all your... That's to show how forgotten David was in the scheme of things. I'm, I'm telling you. And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And you know what? The youngest is always the child you should. Right? So that means something. If our theologians feel differently about David. More like he was a child of another person. Because it does not make sense. And behold, he's tending the sheep. Now, the one who is looking after the sheep is the one you didn't bring. In the bush. Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Go to verse 12 quickly. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was rooted with beautiful eyes and handsome appearance. And the Lord said, it's not like the guy was even ugly. guy was good. And the Lord said, anoint him, for this is he. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of the brother, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramoth 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and the Spirit of the Lord terrorized them. Anointed him. Guess what? After the anointing, he didn't become king the next day. Went back to the bush. And then Goliath, and we'll talk about that. Goliath and Israel had that war. And then the father called David and said go and take food to your brothers and find out how they are doing. You remember the story? If it's you will you go? Oh yeah I'll throw the food away. I said I'll just throw the food away. They are fine. Very fine. These were the same brothers when Samuel was anointing. Nobody said my younger brother is not here. Do you remember when David got and was asking what will be done for the man who kills Goliath. 
His elder brother said, my friend, get out from here. Didn't answer him. David had to ask someone else. That's to show you the treatment he got. Somebody brought food for you and say, what? just tell them. This is what they'll be. He said, go, who did you leave the sheep with? I brought food for you. What I'm trying to show you is that Joseph grew, grew up in a hostile family. But destiny called his name and he responded. Your background is not as bad as you're making it. You are amplifying your background above the purposes of God. And if you want destiny to call your name, if you want to respond to destiny, you've got to shut that voice down. And we have people like that all over scriptures that God used. People that God picked. John 1.46, Jesus our Savior. The Bible says, they said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? They looked at where Jesus came from and said, can any imagine the Savior of the world? Can, look, have anybody looked at you and said, can any good thing come out of you? Looked at him and said, can any good thing, can, can any good thing, any, any good thing, good, good cart, good dog, good shoe, good clothes, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was not something... A, a, a place that could be written about. This was not Jerusalem. This was not, this was not Judea. This was not, I mean, this was not a fancy place. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Even our Savior did not have a, a fantastic upbringing. His birth was doubted. Holy Spirit had not given birth to anybody until Jesus. And Joseph thought to put her away, put Mary away, and God had to speak to Joseph. That relationship would have been broken. Why do you keep talking about how things were not good for you 10, 15 years ago? And there's some of you who maybe during this COVID period, you lost money or things were bad for your business. Why don't you respond to God today and let that go? Maybe you've had very traumatic experiences. Why don't you respond to God today and let that go? The invitation of destiny does not look at your background. When God was speaking to Gideon, he says, Thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, I'm the least in my father's house. If we would allow God to walk through us, it's incredible what God will do in our life. And for once, I want you to respond to that call. Just write this down and then we'll pray. Accept your past. Accept that it's a part of your life and that's it. Accept it. We're not saying wish it away. We're not saying deny it. Yes, I was born by a harlot. It's okay. That's done. My father didn't look after me. I didn't have the opportunity to go to school. Accept now, number two, acknowledge that God has a bigger plan and purpose for your life. Regardless of how your past is or was, there is something bigger. Joseph does a prime minister deliverer position for you. David, there is a kingship position for you. Jephthah, there is a leadership position for you. So, acknowledge that God has a bigger plan for you. I don't care what you've been through. When you were growing up, I don't care who was there for you or who was not there for you. God has something 
bigger and we acknowledge that. Then attempt to live a life that's not selfish and self-centered. Don't live a life that is selfish and self-centered. I'm giving you four A's and then we will pray. Don't be self-centered. Child of God, when I mean don't be self-centered, I'm not talking about starting scholarships for other people. Right? Because sometimes we think we, we, we can only do good when we have a lot of money. Do you realize that Joseph was just asking after the prisoners and say, how are you today? Why is your face, you know, dull? How many of you know to ask somebody, why is your face looking like this does not cost money? Just care for people. That your boss, work for that your boss like your life depends on it. Go early, respond to life. Don't be self-centered. Don't go into that company thinking of yourself. Go there thinking of the job you've been employed to. Get into that marriage thinking of your wife. Don't think of yourself. You know, we get into marriage and we think about ourselves. No, if you think about your wife and your wife thinks about you, both of you will serve each other. They say take food to the brothers. Serve. Come to church. Be part of the community. Serve people. Don't be self-centered in life. Don't sit down and think about yourself. Who can you serve today? Oh, in your compound, they are paying two, two hundred naira to, to, you know, maybe uh, clear the sewage, the gutter. And that day, God blessed you with a thousand naira. Just pay for everybody. Serve. It's not until you become a member of the parliament before you dig drainages. Start serving. Don't be the one people are asking what is wrong with you. Ask others what's wrong with them. Don't say, as our faces are, so it's our problem. As our fingerprints are different. You have your own, I have my own. Stop those naughty talks. You're a Christian. The joy of the Lord is in you. Look after someone. Ask someone how they're doing. Bless someone. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just don't be self-centered. You've got... What is the qualification that Jesus gave us to give? He says, if you have two shoes, give one out. If you have two clothes, give one out. You know what God is saying? Just the fact that you have something else means that you can be a giver. You come to church always. You've got five, six shoes that you are not always using. Bless a brother. And you, when they bless you and you know you have one and a half, give the half out. We shouldn't boast about our faith getting so much that others don't have. Our faith also has to be a means of distribution. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, don't be self-centered. Then number four, act on the dreams and the visions God is giving to you. Number one, accept your upbringing. Accept your past. For some of you, accept the fact that you are prosperous. Accept that you are now a queen. Ah, don't look into the mirror. Say, I have money. I know I have money. Accept the fact. Don't feel guilty for being rich. Right? Don't, we are not saying now that God has blessed you. Now go and look for what happened when you were 12 years old. No. Accept the fact now that you are you're, you're a queen. Esther. But then, there's a greater purpose be, 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 beyond that. Acknowledge that God has a bigger plan and purpose for your life. So regardless of where we are right now, God has a big... And, I, and I, I talk to my family about that. We're grateful for where God has for us now. We're excited, we're serving, but then there's something bigger. We're not, we're not just satisfied. There's something God wants to do with our lives. 
And we were open to that. We're open to that. Attempt to live a life that's not selfish, self-centered. Right? As a minister of the gospel, I can just focus my ministry on what I can get from you. That is self-centeredness. Rather, I should go study, pray, spend time in the word. So every time you show up in church, you're blessed. Something is coming up. You're learning something. You're becoming better. Act on the dreams and the visions God is giving to you. All right? Act on the dreams and the visions God is giving to you. Let's be on our feet. I want to challenge you today. Is Pastor Mary there? Sing something. Thank you, Jesus. I want to challenge you today. Just give me a few minutes and we'll close. I want to challenge you today. I believe God is calling us. Can we sing something, Pastor? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to pray with those of you who are struggling with any form of just unforgiveness. You don't need to come forward. But I just want to pray for those of you who are struggling with any form of unforgiveness. Anything that's holding you bound. We're just going to trust God. And just pray that there will be a release. Thank you, Lord. Just pray that there will be a release. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord. Bless his holy name. Give him praise. Give him glory. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mandosh katala branda bakasotele bashkataya. Rabando seketele bronch de kezo brande soske de barado shemante. Oh, ba prande de de beke sotele manta shakadaba sote. Ratanso kataba yandeleke shekete. If you're struggling with letting something go, I, I, I just want to pray for you. I just sense that in my heart this morning. I just feel we should respond to the Lord. Just a few minutes, please. We'll just go a few minutes over, but let's just respond to the Lord. Ratenzo We're responding to the Lord. Yeah, yeah, we're responding to the Lord. When destiny is calling our name, we will respond. If there's anything in your heart, you're finding hard to forgive, just allow the Lord heal your heart. You know, I told someone, forgiveness has to be supernatural. Forgiveness has to be supernatural. For some, it will not be easy, but we forgive supernaturally. We forgive Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.